0: What's on the menu this evening, sir? Your favourite dish.
1: Excellent. Usual table, sir. Oh, why, thank you. Uh, Would sir care to pay for his bill in advance? No, stick it on my tab. I regret to inform, sir. Credit limit was reached and breached quite some time ago. Oh, well, in that case. Ah, Hard currency. That'll do nicely. Can't be too careful when we're dealing with your type, can we, sir? It sir sort of care for a starter, some garlic bread perhaps? No, thank you. I'll proceed directly to the intravenous injection of hard drugs, please.
2: Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I am Tristan.
0: And I'm Greg.
2: And that's Greg.
0: Yeah, um... Feel the impact, feel, feel the impact, as they say.
2: Yeah, that's what they say.
0: You feel on the lockdown impact? What are we now? Someone told me today it was week 11. Does that check out for you? Probably. Yeah. I have no idea. I thought last man. week was week 8.
2: I don't know. Maybe weeks work differently now. I don't know. Mm,
0: it's a lunar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the old calendar. But spring has sprung, Tristan. Indeed. Indeed. Do you get the swoopy boys yeah. coming at you across the road? You've got quite the park across the road.
2: Now nah, we we've got a deal. Although oh, yeah. uh we're talking about magpies for the for uh, the non Australians who don't know the war that happens every spring in Australia against the magpies. And uh yeah, we have a deal I noticed in the last couple of years in this park where the magpies leave us alone, and we leave them alone. Seymour pushes the relationship mm. now and then and tries to chase them down and I saw today actually, now that you mention it, what a coincidence! I saw today. A single dog being targeted by a magpie. Oh, yeah. Like relentlessly throughout different areas of the park. Other humans around, not targeted, just this one dog. (laughs) And it wasn't my dog, so it was pretty hilarious.
0: Did you like sort of sing some Benny Hill music to yourself? (laughs) Yeah,
2: pretty much. Man, fucking Swoopy Boys, man. It's, uh, It's a real fear of mine. There's no way to look cool when you're being swooped by a magpie.
0: No, it's very hard to, to not look like
2: a battler. It's hard to not shriek.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And maybe a little, little wee-wee out.
2: Yeah. It's just Mother Nature. Maybe it's how it goes. Maybe pull your pants. That's why I want my brown pants, Greg.
0: Speaking about brown pants, we're doing train spotting. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So this is this, this is week two of popping Tristan's chair.
2: And it, I tell you what, it feels good. Watch your partner, you mm. gladiator last week, train spotting this week, and the birdcage next week. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's been a real ride so far.
0: Perhaps next week, when we're doing the birdcage, you can conclude with a bit of a ranking.
2: Yeah, it's not a bad idea. They're all very different, though, too. Yeah, that's true. That's I true. don't even know if we planned it that way, but it's worked out quite well. That they're very three very different things.
0: Yeah, there's a bit of variety. Variety is the spice of life. Yeah, yeah. Choose life.
2: And I like life spicy.
0: Choose space. <laughs> Choose nutmeg. Choose cumin.
2: Choose coriander. <laughs> That's a
0: different take on...
2: Choose a career. Choose. I can't remember the other things he said.
0: I like it if they said shoes. Choose, shoes. <laughs> Just because it's funny.
2: <laughs> oh, anyway, Greg, this movie came out in 1996, didn't
0: it? It did. Mid-90s. mid Nineties. Hey, do you know what else came out in 1996? The pilot episode of The Great Crocodile Hunter. Hosted by the late, great Steve Irwin and his lovely wife, Terry, mm. set on their crocodile, well, set all over the joint, really, but based out of their crocodile...
2: Australia Zoo.
0: Thank you, that helped.
2: Hmm. Quite the show,
0: quite the legend. Mm. Uh, So the show itself ran, I think it was six seasons, five seasons. Really first aired in in 97 after the the October 96 pilot. Ran through uh, to September 2007 and obviously uh, Steve's very untimely death put an end to that show. I was so sad this guy died, man. Like legitimately never met him. But he really felt like part of the family, didn't
2: he? Yeah, he seemed like a nice guy. I never was very uh, involved in the whole Steve Owen thing. Oh, yeah? I don't think I ever watched. Really? I enjoyed him as a. That he exists. I'm like, oh, yeah, Steve Owen. Awesome. But I can't say I ever sat down and watched The Crocodile Hunter. Oh, crikey.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: I certainly did. Have. You? Yeah, I watched all of it. It's great. Have you seen him surf? He rips. No, he surfs in his full really? in his full outfit too, in his <laughs> in his car keys. I saw a, I saw footage of it like all last he wears, week. Right, Kook slams on, um, on Instagram posted a, a non Kook video for a change, and it was um, Steve Owen ripping in his in his car keys.
2: That's great. He's such an interesting fellow. Oh, he was because such it seems like he is weapon. exactly the same in real life. Yeah, like he's just
0: larger than life.
2: It's just so enthusiastic. Yeah. Yeah, about everything. Fucking what a legend. Massive
0: legend. Uh, he was big in the States as well. He'd been on Leno and a bunch of others. They obviously took a, really sh- a real shining for his um, contagious enthusiasm and energy.
2: I think those were the main places I saw him. He was rerouted to me via US content, talk shows and yeah, shit. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. He was massive. He was basically our ambassador for a while. He was like mm-hmm. in the, in following the footsteps of Crocodile Dundee in a way I suppose.
0: Yeah, but real life.
2: But real life, man.
0: Mm, his family have kicked on to follow, you know, to continue his legacy. Um, but they're all grown up. It's quite bizarre. Like I think, I think Bindi, his daughter, had a kid recently. Yeah, fifteen years he's been dead. He's been dead fifteen years. Whoa, he died on September fourth, two thousand six. That's today's September three. Shit. Tomorrow is the anniversary of his death, uh, or Saturday, if you're listening on Monday. Saturday just passed. No, oh, just we Saturdays, will be a week yeah. ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a space time continuum. Yeah. Recently, wow, that's crazy. I didn't, I didn't read that part.
2: That is crazy. So he man.
0: died. Yeah, so 15 and, and 44, he would have been just shy of 60. Um, so, yes, see, I, I do miss Steve, not that I know him personally, but I miss his presence. Absolutely. Um, and he was a wonderful conservationist um, and ambassador for our country and and all the and, for life. and wonderful creatures that we have down here.
2: So enthusiastic about all things life. You know, there's a lot of energy these days. It's very negative, very sceptical, very, oh, mm. oh, eye roll, you know, that kind of shit. Mm. He was so genuine and enthusiastic and happy. Mm-hmm. Just just cuddling crocodiles, you know?
0: Yeah. my That was my school uniform, <clears throat> minus, uh, minus the tie. His, really? Like, we had to wear, I had to wear that in summer, that khaki outfit. Uh-huh. Did you have to wear shorts? You could wear the winter outfit, but, man, come summer in Sydney, like only the goths wore the winter uniform all year.
2: We wore the winter uniform all year. Because, um, how was that on your pins? He, it was hot, but we had to wear knee high socks if we wore shorts. Yeah,
0: same. I see. Yeah, what you're and saying. I guess it's
2: maybe just because no one ever did it, so it just culturally became a thing of like, you don't wear shorts, He mm. suck, boy, except for sport day. Sport day, you did. Yeah,
0: so, um, R.I.P. Steve, great show, great
2: man, 1996. Yeah. Man, big year for Steve Owen 96. It was. Big year for movies too. Mm. Many many films we've covered. 96, I'm not going to say it's like the best year for movies. I know we've spoken before, Alexi Toliopoulos brought up how 1999 is like now seen as a very important year for films. Um, mm. 1996, maybe not important year, but it's packed with just Movies. It's a real blockbuster year. And maybe it's also now thinking about it, our age at the time maybe left an impression. But, man, it's the year of the, the number one movie in the world was Independence Day. It's the year of Twister, the year of Mission Impossible, the foist one, mm-hmm. Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Rock, 90 Professor, uh, Jerry Maguire, Space Jam, Romeo and Juliet, Mars Attacks, The Quest of all things.
0: A worthy addition.
2: The Birdcage. The birdcage, uh, Michael. I think that's where John Travolta played an angel. Is that Michael? I think it is. Oh, um, from Dust Till Dawn, uh, many things, many things. Mm. But mm. one little film, um, all the way from you know across the pond. A little film called Train Spotting was a number thirty-six mm. movie of the year worldwide box office. <laughs>
1: Boys and wife, beautiful boy, and tears, boy, and all in your inner space, boy, ahead, and girls, boy, and steel, boy, Your head ahead, chemicals, boy, I've grown so close to you, boy, and you just grown, boy. She said, Come over, come
2: over,
0: she smiled at you. Scottish indie.
2: Yeah, is Danny Boyle Scottish? I think he's English. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Transporting came out in February of 1996. Budget of £1.5 million. Pounds. Pounds. With mm. pounds. a gross return of £48 million. Pounds. pounds. Choose pounds.
0: Choose. Uh, I would choose, <laughs> choose. pounds because they're like double.
2: Don't choose Australian dollars. Anyway, Rotten Tomatoes, I can't do it. Rotten rotten Tomatoes, how do you say tomatoes in the Scottish accent? Rotten Tomatoes, I don't know. It's a funny word, isn't it? (laughs) Tomatoes. Tomatoes. Tomatoes, Tomatoes. yeah, maybe. Going to cut all that out. (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes Scottish friends
0: are going to be puking in their haggis. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm part Scottish. <laughs> I found out recently, so can I? Yeah, that's that why you're allowed to make that joke. I
2: wait. You found that out recently?
0: Yeah, I thought I was like purebred Irish, and it turns out I'm like there's, there's a fair bit of Scottish in there as well. Interesting. Some English. I'm basically a Irish and British mongrel. Wow.
2: Um, Rotten Tomato scores for this film: critic score of ninety-one percent, audience score of ninety-three percent. Wow. Critic consensus: a brutal oftentimes funny, other times terrifying portrayal of drug addiction in Edinburgh, Uh, not for the faint of heart but well worth viewing as a realistic and entertaining reminder of the horrors of drug use. Mm. Uh, That's that's not the best critic consensus at all. I would agree. Yeah. Anyway. I'll do a better job
0: than that, I hope, in my synopsy. Damn right you will. Oh, and I think you might too in your pre-nopsy
2: yeah, well, we'll see about that. My plot prediction is, out of a hundred, I'd probably give it five <laughs> in terms of accuracy. Uh, but was this a big movie for you, Greg? Uh, was this a big movie for me? Like,
0: yes and no. Yeah. So when it first came out, and it was doing the rounds, it was high level contraband. Like it was. Yeah. It was like uh, you know I, that I would have been fifteen, mm. not no, not even. No, no, even
2: because I was twelve, I figured out. Yeah, so
0: I wasn't even quite not even quite fifteen, and this was high level contraband, you know, kind of like basic instinct level. I think my brother got his hands on it and had it, but I actually I was reflecting on this as I tried to recall my memories, and I think I wasn't that into watching it. Yeah, I think the whole Britpop aesthetic wasn't really my jam at the time. Yeah. Um and so I think visually I was like you know I had the Iggy Pop playing loud and I was like the the drugged out heroin chic vibe of, yeah. of the cast and I was a bit like Ugh.
2: I was same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean even in the later years because yeah I was 12 when it came out so I don't Yeah. I assumed before I before I looked any of this up I assumed it was like 1999 or something. Um, but it was 96. So I was only 12. So no wonder I didn't see it mm. when it first came out. And then I think in the years that followed, I didn't really vibe that vibe <laughs> either. I was, I think at a certain point, I obviously heard it's a good movie, especially in more recent years, especially since the second one came out and, you know, all through my 20s and that kind of thing, I'd heard it's a good movie and I just never got around what to about watching it.
0: film student Tristan? He wasn't tickled?
2: at and how I was the, thinking uh, about that. I think it just the Tarantino effect film, played out in. Yeah, I don't know. I think in film student Tristan in days, I was probably more interested in catching up on the classics. Mm. You know, like I—I mean, obviously, because yeah, I definitely went through a period of you know watching all like Clockwork Orange and Goodfellas and just all the things that you're supposed to watch, and this one didn't quite make it into that rotation. Mm, mm. And then, yeah, at a certain point, it just became. Well, I guess I'm saving it, and not necessarily for the podcast, but just in general. I've come to the point. We were saving that
0: for today. (laughs) Jurassic Park
2: classic. Is that what that was? Is that what that was from? Sounds so. He opens
0: the champagne when they're on the Uh, the bone side at the beginning.
2: Life uh, 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 finds a way. Um, Yeah, it's one of those movies like The Godfather was to me for a while, where it's like I know it's good. I know I'm gonna like it. I like that I haven't seen it yet. That there's there's these mm. classic movies that I can look forward to. I, I would think it would be a sad day when I feel like I've seen every classic movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not that I was didn't want to watch this, uh, eventually, but it just I knew it was probably gonna be the kind of movie I need to get in the zone for too. So it just Yeah. It never got to the top of the list and until today. Well, until <laughs> two days ago.
0: <laughs> it, um, well, it was your choice.
2: Yeah, it's and I did see writing. human traffic. I did see human traffic, which was a couple of years later, right? But that was someone yeah. else hired that video, and I was at his house, and so we watched it.
0: That was big yeah. for me, human traffic. Yeah,
2: and it was a that bit more, po- a, I mean, more it's, appropriate chord. Yeah, like it wasn't as heavy.
0: It was ecstasy, not heroin.
2: Yeah, I'm sure it had heavy. I haven't seen it since then. I'm sure it had heavy moments, but not like this, which we'll get into, no doubt. Um, but to the point, I actually had a memory today that I realised this really goes to show how oblivious I was to this film at the time because I remember going to Tropfest. Oh, how good. And Ewan McGregor was a guest judge and I had no idea who he was. And that was in 2000. I looked up what year he was a judge. You didn't judge. know that who was Ewan 2000. McGregor was in 2000? Didn't know. Didn't know. Interesting. No idea. And I was appropriately shamed for not knowing too. I mean, yeah. I was I was 16 then, you know. So not, not a huge...
0: He'd done Star Wars.
2: I don't watch Star Wars.
0: He's Obi-Wan. Road Trader? No. Nope. No. Nah. It's a true story about... Uh, what's the guy's name? He he worked at Bearings Bank um, and he ripped them off massively. It's a true story. He ends up in jail. All
2: oh, right. Well, I would say Spoiler. overall I'm very late to the Ewan McGregor party but I, I find him very endearing now. I quite like the guy. Mm. He hasn't aged at all and like you mentioned... Um, Earlier this week, he has gone for the old Hollywood teeth fix, but I would say he hasn't gone oh, He has. He hasn't gone overboard. They look relatively normal. Subtle. Just compared to early days because I thought he had famously average teeth and when I say average teeth, like see him in the street, they've been normal teeth, but on screen with everyone having perfect teeth, they stand out a little bit as not quite perfect teeth. But now he, he, they're very straighty 180, so there you go.
0: Happens to the best of them. Hey, I would say on, on memory – I did have like three scenes from this film that were front and centre in my mind, like the Begbie schooner glass or pint glass in the pub, the baby on the roof and the the dirty sheet scene were like that was my memory of this film, kind of those three things. That and the song Born Slippy.
2: Oh, yeah. The only thing I knew going into this movie was um, the toilet scene. I don't know why. That yeah. this must have come across that at some point. And um, obviously that's not enough to base a whole plot prediction around, but it did kind of set a tone in my head a little bit of what it would be. <laughs> but I did. Like, I mean, we'll get into the rewatch and that kind of thing, but it did to me kind of symbolize like, oh, it's going to be, there's going to be more surreal elements and not that it's going to be a happy movie, but I thought, oh, okay, it's just going to be a weird time go down the rabbit hole type of thing of life on drugs. I mean, obviously, we'll talk about our, our heroin usage on this episode. Just kidding, Mum. Just kidding. We're not heroin users. We won't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. So, yeah, I didn't say it, which means i got to do a plot prediction, Greg.
1: Plot Prediction.
2: So, as usual, I wrote <laughs> this uh, before I watched it. Otherwise, that would be cheating.
0: Yeah, it would defeat the purpose.
2: It was not a prediction at that point, is it? It's a, it's a no. hindsight 2020, baby, and I didn't do that. Um, I am allowed to look at the poster, which I did, and I studied very carefully. And in this case, I was gifted with a poster that gives you the characters' names. Yeah. Huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders from that one because uh, Greg likes when, when I use names. Um he likes yeah. the specificity. <laughs> <laughs> so I
0: skip those names.
2: So on the poster it says Spud, Renton, Sick Boy, Diane and Begbie. Okay. This gives me nothing. Um. <laughs> Sick Boy. You know, looking at the poster, looking at the poses, I, I tried to uh, – uh, uh, actually, the other thing I should say, I guess, to, to caveat this plot prediction is it isn't really a linear plot prediction in terms of this is exactly what happens. Which in hindsight is probably accurate because we'll, we'll get more into that. So I, I just tried to break down the different components. So who are these characters? What what kind of unfolds in certain ways? But not so much this, then this, then this. I didn't quite land there. But anyway, let's get into the characters. So Begbie, I'm looking at the poster and I think, you know what? He's he's maybe the leader of the pack, the Vince Vaughn type, <laughs> the English Vince Vaughn hmm. I wrote right here. Mm. In, uh, you think that's inaccurate I got one that's plenty less accurate, I had Spud <laughs> <laughs> I had Spud the brains um, of the group <laughs> well, I was close in a way in that I knew he wasn't the brains of the group, but I thought maybe he's the type of guy that, that thinks he's the leader of the pack that thinks he's, you know, on top of it all, yeah, but he's not, yeah. you know, like the guy in the in-betweeners, um, briefcase wanker, that guy you know, he, he kind of mm. thinks he's the leader, but he's not really. Diane and Sick Boy, I said there are a couple. I had Sick Boy down as having a more traditional day job and being more kind of day to day life, looking more traditional, but having that kind of darker side of, of the more drug fueled side of life. And I had Renton as the wild boy of the bunch who's always chasing the high without any regrets. So I guess I'm way off on almost all counts. And in the name mm. of the movie, in hindsight, I probably could have just Googled it. As a, like, what does the phrase mean? But I was, I was a little worried that if I Googled the meaning of it, it would just reference the film. So I didn't want to spoil it. But the, mm. the really, name Train Spotting, yeah, the name tra- Train Spotting, I didn't really know what it meant. And I was like, is it literal? Is there something to do with trains in this? Is it slang for drugs? I don't know. Train tracks, track yeah. marks. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, so yeah, that the name didn't really help at all because <laughs> I think that it, it was more distracting than anything. Um, so yeah. plot wise, I'm like, okay, I know I know there's drugs in there. I know you and McGregor goes inside a toilet. Um, I feel like it's not so much a plot driven film. I feel like it's more like a here's a window into this world. I said a day in the life of drug fiends, not necessarily glorifying drugs Mm. but definitely not purely anti-drugs either, just more of a here's everything, the good, the bad and the ugly Mm -hmm. Uh, and exploring what these guys actually get out of it too. So not just like drugs are bad, you know, it's more like showing that they love this stuff and perhaps why they do. But what I really struggled with was what's the tension, what's the thing they all got to overcome and I kept just falling into – these plot predictions become a lot easier when it's a movie that you know relishes in the tropes. Like Gladiator last week, I wasn't bang on, but I was much closer than this, but you kind of know mm. what what strings that's pulling. This one, knowing that it's a highly influential film and in that it's probably maybe tropes have have formed since in in the legacy of this film, but I wouldn't say it's a tropey film, right? So it was hard to just assemble some tropes and come up with a plot. So with this one I, I really struggled with, well, what's the tension? And I kept accidentally just coming up with Guy Ritchie-style movies, you know, like, oh, then there's a heist or then there's a this and they got to get the money or they owe the money to this guy. And I wasn't happy with any of those. So I had never really figured out what that was, which is perhaps appropriate because in a lot of ways there isn't other than the drugs. But um, And so what I ended up landing on because I had to make a decision – wasn't entirely happy with it, was, okay, it's called Train Trainspotting. Uh, Sick Boy has finger guns on the poster, so maybe there's a train arriving at some point with precious cargo that they try and steal. But it, but it all goes horribly wrong. Waka, waka, waka. Well, that, yeah, close. There's elements of that, I suppose. But, yeah. I was going to say that someone dies, but then I knew there was a sequel and those same four people seemed to be on the poster, so I decided no one dies. Ah, instant instant regret. (laughs) No, but also not really because I didn't realise there's characters in the movie that aren't on the poster.
0: Oh yeah, and it could have been a part two. Could have been a prequel, even though they're heaps older.
2: True, like like Wet Hot
0: American Summer.
2: Yeah, oh yeah. So there you go. That's my plot prediction. You
0: gave us a lot of background. And then mm. boiling it down, it was about a heist of a train.
2: <laughs> well, I, that's why I don't want to boil it down to that. But I guess that's I have to, in terms of plot. I'm
0: boiling it, baby. Okay, <laughs> let
2: me get the door. Oh, it's boiled,
0: Danny boiled.
2: <laughs> we'll obviously assess my, my plot prediction once we get into the rewatch. But before we get into that, should I get into the origin story of this picture?
0: Yeah, looking forward to this
2: origin story. It's based on a book by the same name by a writer named Irvine Welsh. Mm Published in 1993, it takes the form of short stories Uh um, with these characters we know and, I was going to say know and love, but uh, I'll use that word sparingly, that we know from this film but in a less linear fashion. It's more just here's a story about this, here's a story about this. Some consistent characters pop up throughout but it's not so much a beginning, middle, end type scenario. Um, he would go on to write a sequel in 2002 named Porno and a prequel in 2012 named Skag Boys. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of the name Train Spotting, here's where I get a bit of an answer. So, in the book itself, um, which we don't see in Train Spotting 1, but they do actually end up showing it in Train Spotting 2. Uh, the title is a reference to a scene in the book where Begbie and Renton meet an old drunkard who turns out to be Begbie's estranged father in a in a in the Leith Central Railway Station or whatever and he asked them if they're spotting He's spotting And that's that's where the word came from in the context of the story. Um but the word trainspotting uh-huh. or the phrase uh, apparently can be used to refer to one's obsession with any one trivial topic. So, if you're obsessed with something, that's like your train spotting thing. Could also be drugs. Could be Sean Connery. Could be many things. Mm. But apparently, you've mentioned it before tracks, trains. Apparently, it also can refer to looking for vain real estate in your arm.
1: Oh, train spotting. Okay, train
2: spotting. So, yeah, tracks, it makes sense. It all makes sense now. They don't, it's not a train mm. heist. <laughs> Why didn't they just call it train heist? Yeah,
1: It's a track probably heist. We
2: would have <laughs> if it was a train heist. So, it was actually adapted to the stage before it was adapted to the screen. And it was a. As a musical? I don't know if it was a musical, um, but a, a stage show nonetheless. And who, who would star guys as Renton? Guys and
0: dolls. <laughs> We're just a crazy bunch of guys and dolls.
2: Heroin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's quit our jobs and get high on heroin.
2: <laughs> Guess who played Renton, Ewan McGregor's role in the stage show?
0: Um, The Australian guy that owns R.O. Williams.
2: <laughs> Hugh, Hugh Jackman. Jackman. Nah, this wasn't in Australia. Eagles. but um, Like a fiend. Ewan Bremner, the guy that played Spud. Oh, was in the stage show. Yeah, wow! Didn't know he had a good voice. <laughs> <laughs> heroin. <laughs> uh. Actually, if you're Scottish, you'd probably still sing in a generic American accent like everyone else, I suppose. Heroine, like Ferdinand. We're going crazy. you a heroine. Yeah, like Travis
0: or Travis was Scottish weren't
2: they? Garbage. The chick from Garbage really threw me when I saw her on Hey Hey oh, Saturday or something. Cleared. And she liked to pee in boys' belly buttons. Oh, really? Scared me as a child when she said that. It's fucked up. Didn't I miss that? Yeah, man, it's weird. Anyway, the stage show apparently was maybe closer to the film. I, I don't know. I never saw it. Meanwhile, hot new young mm. director by the name Danny Boyle made a little film called Shallow Grave, which was the most commercially successful British film of that year, nineteen ninety-five. And start a young actor by the name of Ewan McGregor. Have you heard of this movie? Have you seen this?
0: Not before my research
1: for this. Yeah, no. same.
2: I'd never heard of it. I watched the trailer no, it looks pretty that. good. Yeah. Mm. Looks pretty good. I'd watch it. It was a yeah, successful movie, won a BAFTA, Big of the Box Office, all that kind of shit. I would never heard of it, but apparently it's good. Uh so you know, he's at that he's on an upward swing here. He's got some power to choose his next his next movie. And what does he choose? He chooses Train Spotting. Um, he says he saw the potential in it to be the most energetic film you've ever seen about something that ultimately ends up in purgatory or worse, which I think is pretty bang on. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. he achieved that vision. Um, in terms of adapting it for the screen though, he, he brought in John Hodge who was also the writer of Shallow Grave and frequent collaborator with uh, Danny Boyle. Uh, he came on to adapt it for the screen. His job was basically to take these disparate stories and give it some kind of beginning, middle, end structure. I think still embracing it being a little bit sprawling and not too heavily plot-driven, still kind of a movie about nothing in a way, but still giving it a beginning, middle, and end as much Mm. as that's possible. Obviously, McGregor was cast off the back of his work at Shallow Grave, but apparently he also lost 12.7 kilos for this role. And cut his hair. He's pretty lean. He's pretty
0: lean. I mean, Christian Bale scoffs at twelve point whatever yeah. kilos. You go from bat. You go from Batman to machinist and come and talk to
2: me. Yeah, and then back to Batman. Mm. On that, the funniest IMDb trivia thing. <laughs> it's weird. I copied it verbatim because it's just. Bizarre. It says, to play the skinny heroin-addicted Renton, Ewan McGregor lost 26 pounds. It took him only two months to reach Renton's target size. Get how he achieved this. We might want to go on the Renton diet. He achieved this by grilling everything and by drinking wine and gin instead of beer. What is that? Grilling everything? What does that mean? As opposed to frying mean? or something. Like, what, it, what does that mean? Well, the
0: Scots... The Scots do love a a deep fry. Ah,
2: oh, okay.
0: Like they are. maybe like grilled fish instead
2: of battered. Yeah,
0: deep fried battered. Like they batter everything. You get a hamburger. Quite often, it'll be a battered patty.
2: Right. Now, I've never been
0: to Scotland, so I apologise if I'm getting that wrong. But that's what I've been told of.
2: That sounds delicious. Americans <laughs> a bit like that. Pretty good. Yeah, chicken fried steak, and then the US. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'd get, I'd get around that. Yeah, I've had, I've had a couple of those. I'm hungry, <laughs> but it took him in two months, and he didn't even have to give up drinking. He just drank wine and gin instead.
0: Oh, to be 25, hey!
2: This is his fountain of youth, man. Yeah, exactly. To be 25, or maybe this is what he's done until, until now. He hasn't aged.
0: No, he's teetotal now. He's what? He hasn't drunk for seven years. Ah, he was a bit of a raging pisshead, I think.
2: See, this this is the thing. The if Probably you look no at all the URI just for context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the the thing with these Hollywood types, oh, Greg Carney, these Hollywood types, maybe with the exception of Keanu and uh, Paul Rudd, a lot of these guys that haven't aged, interestingly, are the ones that have gone sober relatively young, like Robert Downey Jr. I want to say relatively young, like in their thirties still, but it's like mm. they stopped aging once they went sober which is probably pretty good evidence of what alcohol does to you. Um, Mm, Rob Lowe. pickling. Yeah. I don't know. Is Anthony Kiedis sober? I don't know. He seems relatively young. But, um, yeah, there's a bunch of these guys that once they go sober, they just stop aging. It's fascinating.
0: There's also the the injection of um, plasma from Belizean orphans that helps.
2: That's true, as, as um, our wise overlord Q has made us very aware, very accurate, very stud on your part. Uh,
0: I need to watch that doc. I
2: haven't seen it. <laughs> you do. Oh, you do. Anyway, in terms of the rest of the cast, uh, branding out cast, we've got Ewan Bremner as Spied previously playing Renton on the stage show. Uh, Johnny Lee Miller as Sick Boy, who had previously done Hackers. I thought Hackers might be the follow-up, but it was previously. Hackers. Yeah, Robert Carlyle is begbie. He says I've met loads of begbies in my time. Um he says wander around Glasgow on a Saturday night and you've got a good chance of running into a begbie. So he had, <laughs> he had Glasgow plenty is pretty of inspiration. Cuz he's
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's from Glasgow. Yeah, right. Robert
2: Carlyle. It's, like, it's tricky because the only other thing I knew him from which I also haven't seen was the full Monty. <laughs> and it it seems like yeah. polar opposites. So I'm fascinated to watch that now cuz I can't imagine him not as begbie now. And he scares the shit out of me.
0: He's, he's so good. He's in yeah. a bunch of TV stuff that I've seen yeah, that's really he's, good he, as well.
2: He's one of those – I've seen him out. in lots of things. He pops up everywhere. But, I'm, yeah, I never really knew much about him. Uh, Kevin McKidd as as Tommy. Uh, poor old Tommy, who's apparently in Grey's Anatomy now or then or so, at some point. Um, Kelly McDonald As, as McSteamy? As Colston. Mc, or McSteamy. <laughs> yeah, he's McSteamy. I don't know. Mc,
0: McDonald. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, that works. I was trying to think of a nickname and I couldn't think of a name. Yeah. They're all Scottish. Uh, speaking of McDonald, Kelly McDonald is Diane Colston. And she was um it was her first role, I think, from an open casting call. Like she picked up a street flyer. She still has it. And they wanted an unknown because they wanted it someone where it was their age Could was a a little girl. ambiguous. Yeah, exactly. Peter Mullen as Swanny, Mother Superior, Fiona Bell as Diane's mother, Shirley Henderson as Gail Houston, otherwise known as Moaning Myrtle in Harry Potter. Oh, I don't know. I don't know much about that. All I know is she was like 40 and, and played a little kid for some reason. I don't know.
0: It's like a Beverly Hills
2: 90210
0: cast member. It's like, yeah, she was the Andrea of her day. Andrea, that's the one. Thank you.
2: And the author of the book, Irvine Welsh was Mikey Forrester, the drug dealer, is oh. also in the second one. Yeah, and the other drug dealer at the end with the big drug deal, um, as drug dealers tend to do, Keith Allen, the father of Lily Allen and Alfie Allen. Oh, no way, Jose. If you want to make it in this world, just make sure your parents are already actors. Now, <laughs> they shot this whole thing in about eight weeks. They took them over to bloody Edinburgh over there and... Uh, did all kinds of things and Bish Bash Bosh. She you got herself a movie.
0: Rap party at the,
2: what was that oh. pub they were always at? Oh, that fucking the house club? they're always at. Oh.
0: Oh, the, the den.
2: The den, man. Rap party at the den. See you in two weeks. Oh. What? Lockdown at the den. <laughs> Lockdown Locking. at the den. That's fucked up. All right, let's play the trailer. Choose life,
1: choose a job. Choose a career, choose a family, choose a big television You're a quiet, sensitive type, a little bit crazy, a little bit bad Choose washing machines, cars, compact displays and dental insurance You lied on your application Only like to get my foot in the door What exactly attracts you to the leisure industry?
0: And a work, pleasure,
1: like my pleasure and other people's leisure
0: He's always been lacking in moral fibre. He knows a lot about Sean Connery. As hardly a substitute.
2: Do you see the beast? Have you got it in your shakes? Clear enough, Mitch Money Penny.
1: She was <laughs> sitting on that couch watching mind-numbing, spirit-crushing game shows, stuffing junk food into your mouth. <laughs> the a psycho, man.
2: He's a me. So what can you
1: do?
2: Football.
1: What, are what are you talking, talking about? Sharpen. What's on the menu this evening, sir? The dodgiest scam in a lifetime of dodgy scams. Hmm? Uh, Pleasure wear' much luggage choose good health and a career choose your friends choose your future choose life
2: see I would argue that trailer it looks like quite a good time
0: they probably skipped the uh, the tougher scenes a little there
2: yeah apparently they um, a lot of the marketing especially the UK was like very much this is our pop fiction. That was the angle they were kind of going for, yeah, which is fair enough, but, yeah, man, oh, anyway, what happened in this movie, Greg?
0: yeah, uh, a lot, <laughs> and nothing well there is there's heroin in Pulp fiction, too, isn't there?
2: yeah, I was thinking that, but it's treated much well, she normally dies, I guess
0: her a bloody nose and a epi pen probably is pretty light touch compared to what we. See in this one, <sighs> Man.
2: this film, my heart hurt, my heart physically hurt. Anyway, mm, we'll get more into it. It's tight,
0: it's tense. Yeah. Uh, so, the synopsis of train spotting uh, the film follows a, a group of friends in Edinburgh, centered around Mark Renton, an unemployed 25 year old heroin addict who's trying and failing to escape his life as an addict. Addiction, relapse, cold turkey, relapse, urban poverty, promiscuous love, HIV, petty theft, serious crime. Whilst the lives of Renton and his mates might seem otherworldly to those of us fortunate enough not to have succumbed to the grasp of heroin, I ask you Tristan, were we so different from them? Mm. We hung out. With our mates at the pub, we chased girls in clubs, we played foosball, and we wondered where our life was going, knowing that one day we'd have to grow up. Mm. More than this though, Tristan, train spotting at its core, it's about friendship. Good friends, bad friends, first friends, fair weather friends, fake friends, for now friends and fierce friends, Baby. It's a wild ride through the seedy bowels of Edinburgh. And whilst the backdrop may have evolved, the story is timeless. It's also a love story between people and drugs and stuff.
2: Big time, man. I was, just before we hit record, I'd been watching some uh, videos about heroin. And it's an, it's an experience that's oft described as a, the feeling of love.
0: Mm, euphoric, isn't
2: it? And like giving up heroin... This guy was talking about his last hit and how it felt like saying goodbye to an abusive girlfriend. Like, it's just fluff. And yet, the other thing that you touched on there is, is we're so different. Alcohol, man. Like, I see some of my Facebook memories and I'm like, half of them are just about alcohol. Oh, I'm so drunk, bro. Mm. Like, fucking dumb shit. Mm. Obviously, well, I was going to say, obviously, not as bad as heroin, but in the same, one of the same videos I was watching, It was basically, I didn't have enough time to get into some of the why behind some of these stats, but it was basically deemed that heroin is the second most dangerous drug to yourself and others after alcohol, Mm. which is crazy. So I guess that that must be some kind of in terms of incidents, like actual Volume volume of incidents. Yeah, it must be that. Like it's not that literally the two chemicals. Yeah, it can't be that. It must be drink driving and that kind of shit.
0: Yeah. It's balcony incidents.
1: Yeah.
2: Although in saying that, fucking here's some stats to blow your mind. In the US, in 2016, 170,000 people tried heroin for the first time in 2016. Yeah, right. Double what it was in 10 years earlier in 2006. Yeah, I heard it was having a, a re, a rebirth. Yeah. And opioids in general. So obviously that's just pure heroin. But then if you get into opioids, it's a whole other fucking thing. Um, users of heroin have increased fivefold and basically 3.8 million Americans use heroin right now.
0: Mm. Crazy. Does it say how they use Is it all intravenous? Because you can smoke it as well, I think. Which is- you can
2: smoke it, you can snort it. Um, this guy that I saw is basically talking about his experiences said he smoked it, which I was not aware of. Yeah, I think in the movies you only see the – except for when Uma snorted it in Pulp Fiction – was a problem mm, which was a boo-boo big boo-boo big boo-boo humiliating for her and everyone else involved
0: because you only have a point of heroin right like you don't have a you don't snort a line of it like the volume of yeah a line. actually
2: yeah because she did a fat line and then you, the stuff you see in this is just this tiny little bloody things well and so they say that's the big issue as Spot. well with ODing is that everyone will have a very specific tolerance obviously your tolerance goes up over time but also when you buy the thing you don't know if it's like pure heroin or 50% pure heroin and so you may have had something that turned out to be 10% last time and so you think you know how much you need and then boom, your heart stops. Fucking crazy.
1: Mm.
2: It's crazy. And I didn't know, you know, obviously not having done heroin, I didn't even know like, I don't know about you, heroin for me has always just been this thing way, like there's all the other drugs and, and then there's heroin over there which is like, You'll die if you have heroin. Basically, it was my always my impression of it, which sounds relatively accurate. Your, your risk of dying is twenty to thirty times more if you use heroin. But I I've never the, really um, even thought about it, like in terms of what what does it even do? It's yeah.
0: I think coming up um, through the through the school system, heroin was probably the most worried about drug socially in terms of its impact on people society yeah so all the anti-drug you know lessons that you you get at school i think from from memory they were all pretty focused around heroin as you You got like that
1: right yeah
0: yeah that seemed to be what they worried about like i don't remember hearing too much other than generic drugs okay
2: yeah yeah exactly and it's fascinating because like we're saying that feeling of love so so there's like it is extremely addictive and I like physically because your brain doesn't know how to exist without all those endorphins. So you just lose your fucking mind. Like the, that's why the withdrawals are so hectic. But then also I guess emotionally, why well, guess that's still your brain too because it's all bloody confused. But it is that feeling of love, so like why would you not want to go back to that feeling? It's fascinating. It's dark stuff, man. Dark stuff as illustrated in this film. Um mm-hmm. Maybe we should talk about this, film. So. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll go first so we can reference the old uh, plot prediction there, which was obviously pretty way off. I think I was thinking also in hindsight, maybe my expectations were slightly askew because of the marketing for Trainspotting 2 as well. Because it felt very much like that trailer we just watched. I hadn't seen that trailer before, by the way, not before watching this movie or anything. Um, and same for T2. I hadn't seen the trailer for Trainspotting 2. Um, but I feel like the the chat at the time was very much along the lines of, let's see what those cheeky buggers are up to now kind of thing. It all felt, felt a bit like light. Mm. And so, yeah, it, that paired with um, diving into a toilet and it being kind of surreal, I was expecting some, some confronting shit, but maybe not quite as heavy as what I was confronted yeah. with. But, yeah, in terms of like my first impression, it did feel very – we'll get more into the dark stuff, but in terms of first impression – it did feel very of the era, for sure, aesthetically. Uh-huh. Not saying it felt dated, because I suppose that this may have been more of the trendsetter than the trend imitator in that sense. But a lot of the stuff, yeah, that I would think move it, was, it bit, was.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but you, I think you're right because it, these guys were. This film was made at the sort of start of the Britpop Pop wars, and yeah. they still had that Iggy Pop edge. To it that sort of started that before it went a bit more mainstream and a bit well more and more pop. Yeah. With with Oasis and such. So yeah. it's it it yeah, it was a little bit connected to the um, spiritual origins of that movement. So it was early. It it yeah, kind of right. got the got on the wave at the right time.
2: Yeah. Versus something like I'm not gonna say Lockstock is horribly outdated or anything, but part of it did feel a bit more time capsule y in some of the stylistic choices there, whereas this one didn't feel dated, but it definitely, I don't know, it holds up while also looking very much from the era. Um, but things yeah, like yeah. the pop culture dialogue, a little Tarantino-esque, like, you know, talking about Sean Connery while doing something naughty, the fonts that appear on screen, the freeze frame for narration, yeah, randomly breaking the fourth wall, talking to camera, you know, lock, stock, chopper—you know that kind of. I guess maybe even two hands and that kind of thing would follow. It was definitely like a bit of an aesthetic that emerged. I assume yeah. as this being one of the one of the first. Definitely. Yeah, and then the other the other thing that I I had a moment of weakness, but I didn't do it. I nearly put on subtitles because man, some of those accents. Oh, okay. Begbie, I didn't. I had to rewind it three times. I didn't understand what the fuck he was saying. It took me a while just to get calibrated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Calibrated. Man, it was fucking hard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think I watched it on. I watch most things on subtitles now because of just having kids. The kid factor. It's hard to go back now.
2: Yeah. I just find if I put on subtitles, I don't watch the movie. I can just read the subtitles because I'm such a slow reader.
0: Yeah, it's not. It becomes. I wouldn't encourage it if you didn't have to.
2: Yeah, um, but I didn't do it, so that's that's a tick for me. Well done, Tristan. Yeah,
0: aye.
2: But overall, man, fuck. It got dark, man. Shit, fuck. Because <laughs> you were saying um, we were talking through the week, and obviously there's a sequel, and and Greg was saying he's gonna watch the sequel, and I was like, yeah, I probably will too. And then halfway through this movie, I was like. I don't know if I can I can watch another one of this yeah. too soon because it is so heavy potentially it's the so heaviest heavy. thing I've ever seen man do you know <laughs> sorry you go um like I knew it was going to get dark and I knew it was going to be fucked up drug related stuff but maybe more akin to a to a Pulp Fiction than than a dead baby and and it was like it was almost relatively lighthearted up until that point. Like relative to, yeah. obviously, it's nothing in this is a ray of sunshine, but relative to dead babies, it was a little bit like. Like
0: decayed dead baby.
2: Yeah. Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I the forgot- movie, it was such a shock. It was like a harsh left turn where the movie just like, bam, consequences. And it was, it just hit so hard. I was watching it by myself. I'm glad I didn't make Ira watch it because she just wouldn't have, yeah. she would not have not enjoyed this. She can't watch anything negative right now, like a lot of people in the world, I imagine. But I I was like, my fucking heart hurt, man. I was questioning, uh, why do we, like, I was like, why do we watch movies? Like, to be entertained? Well, obviously this isn't entertaining. Entertaining is the wrong word. <laughs> but anyway, I say we've got this whole thought process of like, what are we even, why are we here? <laughs>
0: Why are we
1: here?
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, oh my god! It's interesting you say that because Carol watched it with me, and that whole sort of lead up to the baby dying in the in the crack house or smack house, whatever they call it. Mm. She was like, "Oh no, the baby!" Like every time the baby came and said, "She's like, the baby's going to die." This, I can't. This is too much. I can't watch the baby die. Like, and I was
2: like, "No, I didn't think the baby would die." Yeah, well, Well, you said
0: that. I've got this, I had this really mixed up set of memories about this film. So I thought the opening scene for this film, slightly off tangent, but I thought the opening scene for this film was Ewan McGregor sleeping at a girl's house who was underage, who then, and then, but he shits the bed and he rips the poo blankets all over the house. I thought it was Ewan McGregor and it's not. Oh, wow. And I thought it was the opening scene of the movie. I was so... So there was so much in this I forgot and then the baby because of the baby on the roof thing I thought no the baby doesn't die cuz he's got to he's going to he's going to hallucinate about the baby later which makes sense that he did I forgot the baby's yeah. going to die so I kept saying to Carol the baby's not going to die would you just relax and watch the movie and then sure enough the zoom in on the crushed sort of fuck
2: and they really linger on it too oh. so if, if for whatever reason you haven't seen it or if somehow you've managed to forget it like Greg <laughs> <laughs> repressed and push it down. Uh, there's mm. the house that they go and enjoy a little bit of heroin in, which, you know, some of the design choices in this house, I don't mind, but more on that later. It's, it's not really the point <laughs> here. Um, there's a baby crawling around in all the early scenes. And I thought, like, obviously that's fucked up. That's already fucked up. And I thought that's just as fucked up as it's going to be. Like, that's already fucked up enough. I wasn't expecting, I didn't think, I didn't occur to me that the baby would die. Mm. I just didn't really think it was going to be that kind of movie. And then, yeah, it lingers on it and then you find out it's sick boy's baby. Mm. Fuck, man. And correct me if I'm wrong, but was the mother of that baby, was that sick boy giving her her first hit earlier in the movie as well? Oh, I missed that. Because wasn't he explaining it to her as well, like how it's going to feel? So it's like- Probably. That's a a, whole fucking tragedy right there that like this mother- has a baby in a in a heroin house, but wasn't necessarily a junkie yet, and then just went down the fucking spiral, and um, and then it just from there, there's just all this darkness. Like Tommy, who was the sport obsessed guy, tried to get them to go out in nature. In a moment of weakness, is like, oh yeah, actually, I want to try it. Give me, let me try. Yeah, it. because his and girlfriend
0: then, dumps him because fuck. his mate stole the home video. Yeah, yeah. So all roads lead back to your mate Renton there, our hero.
2: And it's interesting 24. because, yeah, well, that's the whole thing too because then at this point also, you know, you go into these movies with all the the codes and conventions that movies have trained you to, to watch movies with that like and you're looking for your hero in this movie and there isn't one. Even Renton, he's the closest thing but he's still fucking asshole, man. They're all assholes. Mm. and early on... I thought oh maybe Begbie's the good guy cuz he doesn't do heroin and then I liked that the movie wasn't as black and white as that like the heroin guy's bad and the rest you know if you yeah. don't do heroin you're yeah. a good guy he's still he's the worst of the fucking bunch and he doesn't even do heroin oh, it was also dark man and then just to each other being just so cuntish to each other it's just ah oh, it was a lot to like so negative <laughs> um Yes. And, yeah, Tommy's whole story where Tommy eventually dies of – I think he technically didn't die from AIDS, but he died with He was AIDS.
0: a com- complications of
2: – Yeah. And I think that's an interesting one in showing the slippery slope, like the drug as a replacement for love, doing it almost on a whim, like in a moment of weakness and in the slippery slope that it that then takes you on. It's uh, – I've got plenty more to say. Yeah. But I, I want to hear how the rewatch was – you Craig Carney. right i well yeah it was it was visceral so what was your reaction when the when the baby died having oh, not expected it, it was a... physical i was like oh <clears throat> oh yeah
0: so, i think my my shock was replaced by guilt because i told carol to keep watching the baby was going to be fine and then it yeah green that might be baby a better feeling up. that might have cushioned yeah. the fall <laughs> it might have cushioned the yeah so that was pretty <laughs> obviously It was heavier than I remember the film. Yeah. It was heaps better than I remember. Like it's a pretty awesome, it's a pretty amazing movie I thought. It is, yeah. Um, I think one of the big things for me was probably talks less about the rewatch, more about doing some reading on this film, you know, after watching it in prep for the show and just understanding the significance of this film. Yeah. Um, and its place in, I guess, British film history. It's pretty crazy, man. Like it's the second highest grossing British film of all time, or it was. Um behind uh not Four Weddings and a Funeral. Oh. Four Weddings <laughs> and a Funeral. Off. Slightly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so far off this film. Yeah. And it remains one well, of I'm just glad It wasn't um, love
2: actually. But
0: it wasn't love. Like, yeah. Well, fucking love actually's probably taken over. I don't know how so. I don't know how recent my, my uh my data uh, is and it's only one of the, it's one of a few truly British um, films, you know, with no American backing sort of thing to have grossed yeah. over 10, uh, 10 million pounds at the domestic box office. It's like rated one of the top British films ever um, in lots of forums, um, including like BAFTA rated or BF British Film Institute rated like the top, the number 10 British film of all time.
2: I saw that too, and then I had a look at that, and quite quite um, ashamedly, I I don't know most of the top ten.
0: No, well, a lot of <laughs> them are some really of them old. I've heard
2: of. Yeah, like Lawrence of Arabia and that kind of thing. But then there's just a yeah. bunch of words. I don't know what mm, any of these are. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you and me both, mate. Yeah. How
2: about that? Apologies yeah. to the thirteen percent. So it so is Britain. Sorry, we like sorry, your Brits. we like your
0: sitcoms. Um yeah and the, the, the Pulp fiction effect <laughs> the pop fiction effect came to mind as well for a little bit around the storytelling but yeah you know we talked at length in that episode about how uh that film had paved the way for indie films to get yeah um distribution you know beyond their regular means
1: yeah
2: before Pulp fiction Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was the highest grossing independent film of all time. Like, yeah. The indie films weren't a thing.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a thing. A hundred percent. So this film, and I think you can probably say it with with comfort, like it wouldn't have been distributed, it wouldn't have been discovered and picked up the way it was and become what it was, had had Pulp Fiction not sort of broken that barrier. Broken the indie ceiling. The coach the Crotchet ceiling. What would the (laughs) indie ceiling? Would it be Crotchet?
2: What would the indie ceiling be? It's crotchet croquet,
0: is it croquet?
2: Is it? I don't know. If I one sort of I've only ever read the word. I think <laughs>
1: same.
0: I've never said it. This is my first time saying it.
2: <laughs> this is basic basiki all over again.
0: Damn! I'm gonna go with crotchet. Okay, I'm gonna back it in.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna say croquet, but that may be the sport.
0: Crochet, crochet. What about oh, we crochet. meet halfway? Crochet yeah,
2: it's goes, crochet, right? crochet. Yeah. Okay, the crochet ceiling. <laughs> it must be. It's a soft. It's a soft approach. It doesn't hurt so much as much as the glass ceiling. No. Yeah, man. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, they're they consciously leaned into that in the marketing or that kind of shit. So.
0: Yeah. Big time. Right.
2: Hey, you know. Also, my plot prediction was not close, but I watched this on Stan, uh, a streaming service in Australia named Stan. Why is it called Stan? I don't know. <laughs> I don't <mind. laughs> it's a good question though. <laughs> Um,
0: For another day perhaps.
2: The synopsis for the film on that says, the story of four friends as they try to make it in the world on their own terms and who end up planning the ultimate scam. What a! That's a terrible plot synopsis of. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) And so I read that before I pressed play and I'm like, oh, maybe I wasn't so far off the ultimate scam. This does sound a little bit Guy Ritchie, doesn't it?
0: No. Hey, can can I um, add to that point? Mm. These guys were carrying on about 16 grand. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, I get it, it's pounds and I get it it's 1996. So, ipso facto, let's let's be super generous and call it 100 grand Aussie, which is not. Yeah. Um it's not like it's not heaps of money.
2: Yeah, but then if you're a junkie?
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's it's that's the interesting part, isn't it? Like
2: yeah. these
0: guys are like frothing over that like it's a life-changing amount of money, but the reality is that would have just all gone back into their veins really quickly.
2: Yeah, because the film got so dark as well, the whole thing just became, I felt like a sense of impending doom for the rest of the movie. So even when they got the money, like this is obviously a terrible thing, it's just going to facilitate more bad decisions. Yeah. And it was interesting that it didn't really go there other than, because we talk about the sequel a little bit, but in the sequel we learn that Spud did spend his cut Basically, all on drugs. So that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, but yeah. but somehow, Ewan McGregor Renton was clean for twenty years. I, even though he relapsed right at the end of this movie, it seems unlikely that. I mean, maybe he's lying too. Who the fuck knows? He lied about having kids in the in the sequel as well.
0: Did we want to talk to the sequel a
2: little bit? Why not? We both watched the sequel this week.
0: Wasn't that indulgent?
2: Yeah, isn't that indulgent? Two movies in a week. Um, how did you like it?
0: Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I thought the way, well, I think it helps having all the cast back.
2: Yeah. And the same director and writer. Same director
0: and writer. It's it's get a a nice (coughs) bit of continuity. But I think the way they evolved the story and dealt with the subject matter of these group of people who are in a different stage of life and the way they depicted that stage of life seemed really appropriate and interesting and it's still, It was still like heart racing in times, um, you know, when Begbie was on the hunt. But it was just like uh, I, th- I just thought it was a really apt depiction of, you know, what they were all going through on the other side.
2: And it wasn't too Hollywood either. Like it wasn't none of them had become a huge success or anything. As I mentioned, you and McGregor comes back after living in the Netherlands, lies about having kids and stuff and like – just the fact of having kids was like the, that's as high as the bar got. Um, and he was lying about that. So it's like, yeah, I think where all the characters were at was pretty much on the trajectory that you left them on.
0: Yeah. Except, except Ewan just looked a little bit too sparkly for a guy that.
2: Man, even Sick Boy, man, they both looked too good. Like they, yeah, it's Sick been Boy 20 too. years, man. 20 years. They're mid forties, and the movie also confused me because once I read that the book was set in the eighties, and in the whole AIDS subplot, HIV subplot, yeah, I right. thought the first one must be set in the eighties too. But then when I watched the second one, it was obviously set in present day, but it was twenty years later, and I was all bloody confused. I suppose it doesn't matter too much for this kind of movie. It's not, it's not super ah. tied to. Yeah,
0: it was it was twenty years between um, between the two. Yeah. So I had a little bit of a, a look-see at what are other films that have had a big gap in, betw- well, between a sequel.
2: And you Ewan McGregor's in all of them,
0: isn't he? He's in every single one.
2: Yeah, he is, right? Is he? Oh, because Star Wars? Doctor, Doctor Sleep, Star Wars, and this. <laughs> That's oh, all damn,
0: I didn't think of that. That's a few. Yeah. Some of them are better than others. Mm. Indiana Jones' Last Crusade to the Crystal Skull was 19 years. Yeah. But that's pretty shit. Wall Street to Wall Street 2, Money Never Sleeps was 23 years. That wasn't yeah, bad.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. Tron,
0: we watched
2: oh, yeah, Tron, Tron recently.
0: Yes, Blade Runner. What was Blade Runner? Hang on.
2: That was a good one.
0: Blade Runner was 35 years.
2: Fuck. That was a good movie.
0: Yeah, so there's. I kind of thought this was a one-off where they had a big gap, like Mad Max: Fury Road, which I think is a pretty great film. That was 29 yeah. years. Um, yeah, Tron was 28. I haven't seen Dumb and Dumber Two, but that was about 20 years as well. So they're doing it.
2: They're doing it, but I think this one. I think you're right to feel like this felt unique because it feels different because it's not like. Yeah, I was thinking about this too. Often sequels. It's
0: the same story. It's
2: yeah. Often sequels. It's it's. Well, A, it's usually blockbuster type things. <clears throat> so it's usually like, uh, well, these days it's Marvel stuff, but it's usually some kind of big event and then the sequel is the next event. But as we mentioned, like this movie is sort of about nothing plot-wise and so the next one is just more nothing. It's almost just like another episode of this show about junkies. Like it's not so much. Yeah. Like a, an element of is is where are they now, but it's not so much. And now we're about to find out that what's her name is the bloody emperor's daughter or, you know, fucking bullshit. (laughs) There's no…
0: Jar Jar Bonks?
2: (laughs) Yeah, Jim Jam Bonks.
0: (laughs) Jim Jam Bonks.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's just like and now we're just going to poke our heads in again and see what's going on in this this kind of fucked up world. There's no real… The example I was thinking of was like Terminator 1 and then you get Terminator 2, more Terminators… And maybe you invert <laughs> you invert the premise of the first one. Now he's good. Oh, that's a sequel. Oh, oh hangover one. Hangover two. Another hangover. You know, they are kind of like
0: In a different country. <laughs> in a
2: different <wham, countries. Wham, wham. Can you believe it? I know I'm oversimplifying here. but yeah, or it's a it's a romantic comedy, it's the fucking kissing booth or whatever the fuck. This is it's just like another day in the life a bit later. It's interesting. Yeah. But a bit in more a good baggage. way, yeah.
0: And, the you know, the evolution of the characters was just so, I thought it was just super appropriate, you know, like they'd yeah. lost what that, was that old doco? hungry ambition but they were still trying to like claw some sort of future.
2: Yeah. There was that old doco, I think it was called 7-Up, where they visited these kids yeah. every seven years. every seven it's years. It's a bit like that where it's like it's almost a documentary or something where we're just visiting these people. It's not like, you know, it's not Avengers Endgame or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, Although there would be some, if you there's probably some connections between Thanos and Begbie if you really unpacked it.
2: Fuck yeah, there is. Oh, Begbie is gay, by the way. It's confirmed. So that's where a lot of his issues stem from is repressing being gay. Oh. He, obviously he's not the type I of guy that, that would process that well. He doesn't say, it's not in the movie, but um, the writer and Robert Carlyle, is that his name? Carlyle? Has has said it since. Yeah, he's repressed gay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So I did watch. I ended up watching all of the sequel. Yeah. Cool. Last time we spoke, I said I was like halfway through. I watched all of it. And the other thing that made me realize with both of these movies, and part of what's so fascinating about it, is a, in less capable hands, the first movie might have been the drug deal. Like the drug deal is just basically the the third act of the movie. Might have been the whole movie in like a in less capable hands.
0: It's the heist film.
2: The, the it would have been yeah, and it's like it's the you know it's post Pulp Fiction. It's like well, let's make a, a quirky heist and you know Guy Ritchie. You know that that energy would come to it. And in yeah. a similar way, now having watched the second one, in the same way that in Trainspotting One, the tragedy of Tommy is sort of happening in the background, where. It's almost like traditionally that would be the movie, the story of Tommy. He's got the – yeah, he's very different in the beginning of the movie versus the end of the movie whereas most of the other characters are not really. Ewan McGregor's starting a journey but the rest of the characters who pretty much finish the film where they started, there's not much of an arc there. It's just a fucking disaster. And in the second one I think it's the same with Spud where it's like again – in other hands, it might have been the Spud movie, and the arc that he has in in Transporting Two is fucking epic. And it's so it's almost like they're almost like protagonists, but they're not. <laughs> but they're in the background, they're in the periphery, yeah. and instead you're seeing yeah. it through the lens of all these jerks in the foreground that is semi-responsible. You don't have that, that much of a story. Ups. Yeah, and it's like why are we spending time with all these? Yeah, pardon my French. It's fascinating. It's obviously a Deliberate choice. But yeah, it's almost like they've taken you could almost see the traditional Hollywood version of both of these movies in all those different there's just all these pockets of stuff happening in these in these two movies that could be movies in and of themselves, mm. which I thought was fucking interesting.
0: Friends like these, eh, Tristan?
2: Man, bunch of fucking assholes. I just needed good news after watching that movie, man. It was heavy.
0: <laughs> it was a heavy film.
2: And even you and McGregor, like you, you feel some catharsis in him escaping, but at the end of the day, and leaving some money for Spud. But at the end of the day, they're all still fucking. He's horrible too far people. gone.
0: Yeah, he's yeah. already killed his best mate.
2: Yeah, well, and his um, Danny Boyle. What did he say? He said something like he wanted his. Oh, this is interesting. Actually, he said he wanted Ewan McGregor's character to be like Malcolm McDowell in Clockwork Orange. Like just despicable, horrible person, but charming, right? And and it's interesting you said that because the bar scene in this movie is a throwback to Clockwork Orange as well. You know they're slowly zooming in on Tommy and Spud and the artwork on the wall. It's a like pretty much an exact replica of the bar in Clockwork Orange where they're drinking milk, except for the they don't have the naked mannequin coffee table things, and um. Right. And then, if you think about that, there's parallels there with Clockwork Orange being these four kind of asshole friends that go around causing fucking terror. Yeah. And then the 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 theme of like recovery—is there any recovery? Are they just assholes? <laughs> you know. So yeah. there's some parallels there too, which is pretty interesting.
0: Did he? If they reference that, must have.
2: They don't explicitly say it in the movie, but there's definitely visual references for sure. Mm,
0: mm, mm. Yeah. So what is um Danny, I'm just trying to you know, we're talking a little bit about Lockstock earlier, came a bit after this film. I was just trying to is there much has there been much conversation around Danny Boyle versus Guy Ritchie, generally speaking? It's
2: funny. It's funny, isn't it? Because I was also thinking, again, this is Pulp Fiction hits ninety four. This is only two years later you have a lot of these trendy 90s directors like Tarantino, like Guy Ritchie, and then Danny Boyle. But then you look at Danny Boyle's filmography, like if you say the new Tarantino movie or if you say the new Guy Ritchie movie, you kind of know what you're you're going to get. You say Danny Boyle, you might be getting a fucking rom-com with Beatles songs. You might be getting a a fucking hectic dead baby heroin story or you might get fucking Leonardo DiCaprio on a beach with a hot French babe. And or Slumdog Millionaire. <laughs> Slumdog Millionaire. Like there's so much. It varies greatly. <laughs> Big time. Just vibe-wise, aesthetically. I'm sure, you know, a proper uh, film connoisseur can find some common tissue here. But mm. for me, at face they're value. Not us. Like, not us. <laughs> at face value, they're very different movies, right? Steve, The Steve Jobs movie, for fuck's sake. There's just a lot. Lot of variety here, so yeah, I don't know. Have you have you heard him? Have you heard them being compared, Guy Ritchie? No,
0: um, and I only um, only sort of thought about it as we've been talking. So, I might Mm. do a bit of digging.
2: Well, it's funny because every time interesting, yeah, every time Guy Ritchie tries to do something that's not so typically Guy Ritchie, it's not received all that well. Yeah, like Aladdin, like. King Arthur Cast
0: Away. What's the Cast
2: away? No, was it? Yeah, the, that Madonna one, right? Swept away. Swept away. Danny
0: Boyle had the beach and Guy Ritchie had swept away.
2: <laughs> and the, the beach wasn't well received either at the time, I think, right? Wasn't it? But it had the song by so. those girls. I thought it was cool, probably because of that song. You it know was that, cute? that it was definitely cool,
0: and that French girl.
2: It caused some tension between you and McGregor, and um Danny Boyle. Oh really? In the casting of Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. Oh, he wanted that one, did he? Yeah. Well he was kind of his his De Niro to his Scorsese his up until that point. Muse. Yeah. And then they didn't work together for ages until T two after that.
0: Ah, redemption. Yeah. Or under that bridge.
2: Oh, the only other thing, actually, in the sequel, obviously this is based on a book, which I didn't know before watching it. Did you know this that it was based on a book? Not. Intimately. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the part that I was referring to with Spud's arc in the sequel is it ultimately sets up that he writes the book. So that in the sequel, Spud starts writing down his stories, these stories stories we've seen. And word for word, they are the short stories that are in the book. So when they read them out, those are actually literally word for word, which is quite cool. It was teetering on the edge of being a little bit corny with that, you know, how it becomes like the and that's the book you're reading right now like one of those gimmicky yeah. things but it it held back just enough i think for that not to be too lame
0: yeah i'm cool yeah i was cool with it
2: yeah i liked it and it's and you want to see spud succeed he's, he's like more su- of a victim
0: poor spud he did time in the first place he's just been there he was the loyal one that stayed he's yeah, yeah. but he also stayed on the gear
2: so he's less overtly a bad human you know he's he's just more it's of harmless. a tragedy yeah Poor guy. So <laughs> uh, we get into the verdict?
0: Yeah, I, before we get into the verdict, could I just say, yes. I just thought Diane's parents were pretty cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so wait, they knew, right?
0: Yeah. But so he,
2: he wasn't allowed to sleep in her room.
0: But he was, so she was underage the and she, they let her have a heroin addict over to pound their daughter on a school night. <laughs> Heroin poundings for the weekends, darling.
2: But he's like, but their parents are like, as long as he doesn't sleep in your bed. Yeah, that would be improper. as long as
0: he, as long as he gets out after he.
2: Finishes. As long as he loves you and leaves you, yeah. <laughs> no snuggling. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Where did he
2: sleep? Like on the floor or something?
0: Oh man, who knows.
2: Yeah, that's weird. That's weird, man. Some fucked up shit in this movie, man. There's some mm-hmm. fucked up shit. Let's get into the verdict.
0: Yeah. I don't know what to say, really.
1: I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. Uh, I'd like an answer the question, Judge.
2: I want to have them answered immediately.
1: You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting? what again. Say what again.
0: I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that.
2: Man, I don't know how to summarize this one, but I mean, it's a good movie. It's, <laughs> it's good heavy. Movie. Sometimes it's a movie that I wouldn't say you're necessarily going to watch for entertainment, uh, but you're going to watch it to feel some things and mm. to... To get a window into a world that you would have otherwise for most of us be not super aware of.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a visual visceral experience, isn't it? Like you said, you were feeling it yeah. in your heart. It definitely Yeah. Even the sequel, you just feel it in your chest. Yeah. It's just yeah. like a
1: tightening. Oh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like a hurry up scene.
2: <laughs> yeah. Man, and I, sorry, the other one I was going to say was I think I was half expecting something like Skins as well. Remember Skins? Yeah. Yeah. And that was, you know, that had its dark moments, but overall was a bit of like, a, oh, these larrikins. And then Basketball Diaries. It made me think of a lot of things. But, yeah. Basketball Diaries. This is a fucking good movie. This is a quality movie. It's a quality it's, film. But it's, it's basically a tragedy though. Watch it as a fucking tragedy. Almost a horror film. Fucking almost a horror film.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's very astute on your part. Would you mind pushing it. Oh, thank you.
2: Yeah. It's very astute on your part. Oh, and I liked it in the sequel. Thanks, Diane didn't really have a major role. She was just kind of there for a second. See mm. how successful she was. Mm. I thought they were going to engineer, a, you know, some. They story. stayed true to the characters, I think, in the sequel, you know. They stayed true to the characters. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, the Simpsons have done me. it. Oh, they have? Yeah. Oh wow.
0: There's an episode where they get Bart and Lisa get hooked on British candy. And then they do the um they got they do the running through the streets scene and they've kind of got a few of the buildings from the Lust for Life and Lust for Life the Iggy Pop's songs playing over the top. And then I think they have a come down and Maggie turns ahead.
1: Oh. Uh
2: so Simpsons did it. That's a big check. Um I yeah. didn't I didn't look for porn parody. Hang on, let me do a Google now. Doesn't look like it. That's a good. No, 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 porn parody. Kelly McDonald's an unconventional babe though, isn't she?
0: Yeah, I um, I hadn't noticed her before.
2: I didn't really know what I knew her from. She's been in lots of things. Yeah, um, Simpsons did it. No porn parody. Beckdale test. Not really. But it's not really that. Like, I think this movie. I mean, this movie doesn't paint anyone well. <laughs> FX yeah. test. FX test, yeah, man. They did a fake Ewan McGregor arm through injecting with a, with a pulse and everything. I think that held up. Oh. And then there was the cool – the surreal stuff was quite cool. The, yeah. In the toilet and then falling into the carpet, that kind of stuff. The withdrawals in the room, there was the room was expanding and all that shit. Baby crawling on the roof was slightly off in a, in a good way. Oh, <sighs> could have used more iconic, explosions but, but otherwise. Iconic scenes. Iconic scenes, yeah. Um, I didn't really do recasties because it's, it's, I mean, they just had a sequel. Yeah. Just the cast of I, Skins maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, funny you say that because I thought Nicholas Holt. Yeah. The kid from, is he in Skins?
2: No. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, he is? Yeah, the kid from one. About a Boy.
2: Yeah. And there's another kid in season one that looks like Ewan McGregor too. He's been yeah, in a right. couple of things. He was in Game of Thrones. They've all popped up everywhere, those guys. Good for them. Yeah. yeah. Daniel Kaluuya was in Skins. Um, what are we doing next week? Oh, next week we are doing The Boyd Cage, which I assume is a film the set Bird in a Cage. zany zoo. <laughs> Actually, plot-wise, I think I do know a little bit of that one. So my, my plot prediction should be pretty close because I, cause I think I know what it is. Um, but until then- if you're enjoying the program, if you're still with us, uh, thank you very much for listening all the way to the end. We'd love if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it helps yeah. helps with our rankings and discoverability and all that jazz.
0: Yeah, we're up against it these days with the with the ad investments that the bigger groups are putting behind their shows. You've probably, at least in Australia. And all the
2: celebrities.
0: Yeah, we're, we're, we are truly an independent minnow. So um, any support you can give us in uh, telling your friends and such, we really appreciate it.
2: We really do. Friends are friends of the show. And know? we
0: appreciate you listening and hanging out with us uh, in otherwise Thank pretty you. boring boring times. Yeah,
2: for those that are in lockdown, we feel you. Hang in there. Uh, hopefully we'll get some shit changing soon. Um, but until then, see you same time next week for some birdcage yeah. action. Oh,
1: uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Lacage La cage yeah. or foils, foils. Foils. The classic or, or foes. It's based on a French classic. Ah. Uh. Probably a novella. But we'll get into that next <laughs> week.